Welcome to the Dharma Spring. So good morning again. Good morning. Nice to see all of us here to take up uh, I Vow Not to Steal. So I'd start just by reading the, the commentaries. So I vow not to steal. The way things are is mysterious and hard to see. In a world where the Dharma is unattainable, not having thoughts about gaining is called the vow of not stealing. And that's from Bodhidharma. Dogen says, just as they are, you and the things of the world are one. The gate to freedom is open. This vow in particular, although I think it's kind of the crux of all the vows and probably of practice in general, life in general, but this one particularly lights up the self-centered activity of stealing, in my experience. Like this idea of... um, an older formulation of this vow was, do not take what is not given. So it's not like a criminal act. It's like, if it wasn't given to you, don't take it. But I notice you know, the activity of stealing, when I'm taking something that wasn't given to me, it's because I want it. There's a desire for it. And underneath that, subtly or blatantly, is if I take this, I'm going to feel more complete. I'm going to feel better. It's going to help me. That's, I need it. I turn my desire, my want, into a need. I need it to fulfill me. So that's just... I notice that more potently with this one. Um, But again, it's there in all of them. The amount we lean toward ourself, individually, while engaging in things, creates a certain amount of suffering and discord, internally and externally. And then, because of the messiness of the territory of the precepts, leaning completely towards being unselfish and always acting for the others, well, then you're taken away from yourself. So you can't do that either. (laughs) So you have to figure out, well, what is this? What is this? All the time, wandering between the balance of taking care of yourself, recognizing that you have wants and needs, and recognizing how you affect others in the way you serve those wants and needs, and vice versa. So the way things are is mysterious and hard to see. (laughs) So in preparation for this talk, I engaged in some, at first unintentional, but then more intentional thievery. So I would know firsthand what it feels like to steal then I can talk about it. Um, Initially, I just had, there's this story that comes to mind from a time I actually criminally stole from a store that I usually bring up. And I thought, well, that story would probably come in and everything um, that I bring in with it might be there and new things. And it may come in later during our discussion, but so I didn't put a lot of 
notes. To, I didn't put any notes together. I was like, oh, I can kind of rely on that story to carry me through and then just keep looking at things. But um, in a way, if I stuck with that old story and didn't look at this freshly, I would be stealing from you and from myself if I wasn't looking at this freshly. So that's one avenue where, huh, stealing could be taking place, right? But the thievery began, you know, this morning when I woke up in plenty of time to get up and get down here by 8.30 is usually what I target. And it's one of those mornings where it's like, yeah, I'm awake, but I don't want to get out of bed. And it's like, well, I can get there maybe at 9 in time for the suitor service, which turns out didn't happen, but I didn't know that. That's okay. Because I was like, well... My thinking was, I can get there at 9, be there for the super service. I'd like to experience that and see what it's like. But then maybe not. Hmm, I don't know. But then am I taking away from myself the experience of getting to know the suture service and that? So maybe I'll just get there at 9.30, though. I don't know. So I began to play with it. It's like, well, maybe I should not steal from myself by sticking in my pattern and do something new and arrive at a different time. Then I thought, I'll get there at 9.30. That's where I settled. Well, what about waiting until 10? <laughs> Wait until it's all over and then show up. I've never done that. What if I do that? I'll give myself that experience, yeah? Okay, cool. So I'm not even going to show up for meditation at all. I wonder what people will think, Yeah. So then I said, oh, I've got some extra time. I'll go get some donuts. So I don't know if that was generosity or guilt <laughs> that brought these donuts to you. <laughs> like, well, I've got extra time. I'll go buy King Supers. I'll get some donuts. Um, contribute to the, the edible portion of things. But that might have also been self-serving because I'm out of the seltzer water that I like to drink. So... I'll pick up that while I'm there. So was I going there to get seltzer water and donuts on the side or vice versa? I don't know. So I was serving myself <laughs> and serving you, but I'm having a donut or more than I'm having pieces of several donuts. So is that all about me? <laughs> and did I choose the donuts that I like? Or was I trying to choose ones that you would like? Well, it's a combination of that. I don't know. So all that's going through my mind and I'm like, I'm stealing here and I'm giving. It's mysterious and hard to see. <laughs> Um, it was fun. It is fun. And to notice internally feelings of dis-ease and then feelings of, ah, when I would, oh, I'll get donuts, you know, that'll be good. Ah, you know, back and forth between, okay, I've justified it, that makes it settle down, into, well, what, but wait, but wait, yeah. Then I thought, those of you who would be sitting here and seeing me not arrive, well, you'd be sitting there, maybe you would have been having a peaceful meditation, but then your meditation's occupied with, where's Andrew? Why isn't he here? So now you have these thoughts of, well, what's going on? We are meeting today, aren't we? You know, in your meditation. Is he going to show up at all? Did something happen? You could have worried, did something happen to him? I didn't hear anything. All that could have been going on. So maybe I took away from your meditation by creating unwanted anxiety and 
thought concerns, yeah? Or maybe I added to your meditation so that you could notice what you do when you get anxious and worried about something. Now you had something more to look at instead of some peaceful, blissful blankness. So I don't know, did I give to you or take away from you? And you'll have to answer that for yourselves, those of you that were here. So that's when I showed up and there was just a few here. I was like, oh, I didn't really steal from as many people as I'd hoped. <laughs> so if you didn't show up early, you stole from me. My opportunity to steal from you. <laughs> to mess around with things like that. Um, and that's kind of how it is, right? Back and forth. You were never really quite sure. Am I serving myself? Or am I serving others? Am I taking away from others? Or am I taking away from myself? Hmm. So yeah, it was great. A nice little morning of, it, you know, the go from that unintentional, I'll just show up a little bit later, to an intentional, I'm purposely not showing up until a later time. And again, that created in me my own anxiety, just because that's not what I usually do. So I was stealing from myself a pattern, a, a habitual doing, but also giving to myself the experience of what happens when I disrupt that pattern. Um, and then, yeah, whatever your experience was in relation to that, we'll maybe explore, hopefully explore later and find out. <clears throat> and I think, you know, that same gray area and well it's throughout the precepts so just focusing particularly on this one taking up the two phrases from the ancestors so bodhidharmas in a world where the dharma is unattainable not having thoughts about gaining is called the vow of not stealing so you can see that two different ways the dharma is unattainable so no matter what you do, you'll never get it. So why try to steal? You're never going to get it. The other side of it is, it's unattainable. Steal away. Even though you're stealing and thinking you're getting it, you're never going to get it. So go ahead and do it. It could be either way. And not having thoughts of gaining. That could be, I am whole and sufficient. I don't need to think about gaining anything. Or, I am whole and sufficient. So even when I get something, I'm not gaining anything because it's already manifesting out of wholeness. So don't even think that what I gain is, is gaining. It's just what's happening. Yeah? And the, the inverse would be thoughts of loss. I can hold on to my stuff tightly and not let people steal it from me. But what I have isn't really attained. It's not really gained. I'm not really holding on to anything. I can give it away just as freely. Does that make any difference? In the actual having or not having of things. It makes a difference in my experience of my relationship to having or not having. Yeah? So what does he mean? Is it a positive thing to have no thoughts of gaining? Is it a negative thing? Is it, well I propose it's just a gray matter area. <laughs> a gray area and a gray matter area. Depends on how much you think about it. Then <laughs> um, just as you are, you and the things of the world are one. 
The gate to freedom is open. And that kind of has the same, touches into the same chords as Bodhidharma's words. You and the things of the world are one. There's already a wholeness here. The gate to freedom is open. Which could say, just simply walk through that gate as you are. You don't need anything else. You have everything you need. You are not lacking. Or it could say, the gate to freedom is open. So even your thievery and your stealing and your serving of yourself doesn't diminish the opening of that gate. It remains open. It may affect the experience of walking through it, but it doesn't affect whether it's open or not. It's always open. So there's an invitation maybe to steal away. But notice, well, how is it when I steal away here? Or what's it like when I give it all away here? Because just as they are, the things of the world and I are one. So I don't own it. I can give it to them, and they don't gain anything extra. I don't lose anything. But that would be more of a philosophical, heady approach. I think the invitation here, for me, especially given my morning activities, is the gate to freedom is open. Steal away and see what that feels like. That is the manifestation of freedom. That anxiety I felt and the justification of things that I did. That's freedom manifesting in multicolored ways. Sometimes that freedom feels more open and spacious. Sometimes it feels closed in and disconnected, but it's still the gate open. The freedom, again, not diminished, not added to. Just, this is what your freedom is like on thieving. This is what your freedom is like when you're giving it all away. This is what your freedom is like when somebody steals from you. This is what your freedom is like when you hold no ill will toward them for doing so, recognizing that you are like that too. For at the bottom of things, you and the things of the world are one. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. So this, that quality of what informs the amount I want to take and, for myself and hoard things or hold on to things tightly versus the amount I want to be generous and give it away and share it. Um, It's a sense, having a sense of lack or a sense of abundance. And that can flip in an instant sometimes, yeah? <laughs> I can feel, ah, everything's just perfect. I have, I'm in a state of abundance. I don't need to hold on to anything. It's all perfectly fine. Then something happens like, whoa, don't you take my stuff. <laughs> Maybe it's not physical stuff. Maybe it's internal, spiritual, emotional stuff. But it can flip in an instance. And the reason I was like, huh, is because looking at the yellow of that folder um, reminded me of... I'll try to keep this story short. But I spent some time at Naropa, and they have a program called the My Tree Program, 
where they evoke, evoke certain energies that we naturally experience, but this is a way of evoking certain ones more intensely and directly so we can get to know them more intimately. And the way you do it is you go, and this, they do it in different ways, but the way I did it is you go into a room that is of a certain color and has certain shapes, and you take up a certain position, physical posture, for a period of time, 45 minutes each time you go in there, and you do it individually. And this happened over like a week-long period of one room. There's five different rooms. That's the longer story. And then there's a group of us who are doing this at the same time. Individually going into the rooms, but we're, there's like five of us who are all doing our own individual practices, then experiencing life during that week period. Then we get together as a group at the end and talk about, well, what did you experience over these last few days? And we find that we're all kind of seeing things similarly. We're experiencing those particular energies. Even if we had no idea what those energies were ahead of time, there they are manifesting. So there's one that's called Ratna. And it's a Buddha family called Ratna. And the color of the room is yellow. That's why the yellow folder is like, oh yeah, Ratna. This always comes up when I think about this precept. And with these energies, they have what they call a wisdom aspect and a neurotic aspect. Although I think they've changed it. I don't know if it says neurotic anymore. But there's, like, there's one energy, but there's two sides to it. Wisdom and neurosis. <laughs> and the energy of Ratna is that of abundance or lack. That's, that's the two sides of it. And, I mean, this room with these yellow, maybe we're having... We're influenced by rotten energy because of the yellow windows that come in here. But the, um, the room is yellow. The shape is just a large circle cut into the wall. Like if that wall over there just had a large circle, and it's even lit up from the back, and it's yellow-orange. It looks like the sun. And then the meditation posture, or it doesn't really seem like a meditation posture, so the posture, the physical posture, is just to lie spread eagle in front of it for 45 minutes at a time, looking at the ceiling, you know, immersed in yellow, this huge circle in front of you. And that could be you're lying on the beach. You're down in Mexico. You've earned a vacation. You're on the beach soaking up the sun, right? That's a place of abundance, right? It could also be you're in the desert without water and food. You've lost your energy. You've flopped spread eagle waiting for the vultures. But it's the exact same sun shining upon you, the exact same position. And that can be the two sides of lack and abundance in our lives. We might be in the exact same place, but sometimes it feels like we're just soaking up the sun and enjoying what we've earned, what's been given to us, the abundance of life. And sometimes we're in the exact same position, but it feels like we're missing everything. We're, we need it all. We don't have what we need, and we're about to shrivel up and die. So we start reaching for things as we're able. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.